All at once, there was a scraping noise, and the egg split open. The baby dragon flopped onto the table. It wasn't exactly pretty, Harry thought. It looked like a crumpled black umbrella. Its spiny wings were huge compared to its skinny jet body. It had a long snout with wide nostrils, the stubs of horns, and bulging orange eyes. It sneezed. A couple sparks flew out of its snout. Isn't he beautiful, Hagrid murmured. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the restricted section, in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss how the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we are talking about today. In Chapter 14, Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback, our trio attempts to prepare for exams, but that's all put on hold when Hagrid ropes them all into an illegal exotic animal smuggling organization. Malfoy continues to be a little bitch. Hey everybody, how's it going today? Fair. Good. Yeah, at my work today, a three-year-old pulled the, like, pull tab on our fire alarm, and so I spent, like, hours today dealing with fire department telling them that it was like a kid playing and our like fire monitoring service had to come and reset everything and fun fact if you pull the pull tap the fire department is under obligation to come and check it out they don't have to if it's just like a false alarm but if they actually pull it they assume that there might be a likelihood that you're trying to hide the fire to like not come under investigation so they have to come on site and investigate wow that's crazy Mm. Yeah. Have you guys ever, you well-behaved Ravenclaws ever pulled a uh, a fire alarm before? Absolutely not. <laughs> I have never. Me neither. Just to be really clear, I did call nine one one once when I was like five, cause cause you gotta push boundaries sometimes as a kid. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I'm happy to be here. It's Wednesday, my favorite day of the week after Sunday, Saturday, and Friday. So let's do a little roll call. Who's here? And also, what would you name your pet dragon if you had one? So I'm your host, Christina. And if I had a pet dragon, I would name them Hufflepuff the Magic Dragon. (laughs) I love it. If I had a pet dragon. Okay, well, hold on. There's context here that you need. Don't forget your name first. Oh, right. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everyone. So during this time in isolation, um, my boyfriend and I have been dabbling in a bit of Dungeons and Dragons and oh. And so I have a, my character is Dragonborn and her name is Trevi, which is pretty cute. I think, I don't know. And so that's what I would name my pet dragon, Trevi. That is very cute. And yeah. I love d and I'm so happy you're playing in a dragonborn. It's like the most badass thing. Oh, yeah. That's what I thought when I picked it. Hey, I'm Brooke. I would name a dragon Nettle because I like the idea of it being like a stingy, stingy little feisty dragon. And I would call her Nettie for short. That's cute. Or when she looks like a little fat, you could call her a little Nettie Pot. 
Mm. <laughs> What's everybody drinking today? I'm drinking a Tecate. We're um, recording this on uh, Seis de Mayo. So these are leftover from Cinco de Mayo. I fucking love Tecate. It's one of my favorite beers. Nice. I'm taking it back to first year of college, and I am drinking a vodka cran. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Great for your urinary tract. <laughs> I'm also on the Cinco de Mayo Leftover Life with a Vossen. It's a local brewery to Richmond. Mexican lager, which is a specialty brew they did. And fun fact, it's made with Machueca hops, which are from a place I once lived in New Zealand. That's crazy, dude. Yeah, if you're local to Richmond, Boston is awesome. I went there for the first time with you, Grace. Today we're talking about Norbert the Norwegian Ridgeback, or as we come to know and love this dragon, Norberta, the lady Norwegian Ridgeback. <laughs> Do you guys have any initial thoughts? Do you remember reading this as a kid? I don't remember reading it. I do remember playing the Harry Potter like computer CD-ROM game. I do remember getting through the like stealth level where you had to like sneak the egg through the library past Filch mm, to get mm-hmm. it to the tallest tower. I am not a gamer, and that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my oh, childhood. Yeah. Definitely, I've played a lot of like Harry Potter PC games in my life, and sneaking past like the prefects and stuff is always. I think that's the hardest part of like any video game. Sneaking. I'm not a sneaker. I'm just gonna barge right in, sword drawn, and murder you all. Perfect. Doesn't really work as good in Harry Potter, but in some other games, that's a really good tactic. I don't really remember reading this either. The memory I have of this whole dragon situation really comes from the movie. Um, I think my memory was overwritten by the movie. This feel, reading this, it felt a bit um, like a throwaway chapter. I mean, I know some things are happening, but it felt mostly like set up to me. So I did not have a memory of reading it when I was a kiddo. Yeah, I definitely have a similar kind of feeling. I, it happens a lot in this first book, and I think it will happen less and less. We've talked before about how because the first book is so short, it was a lot easier for the film to stay really true to it. Also, the director of those first couple films was Chris Columbus, and that was really important to him, staying true to the original source material. (laughs) Yeah, I remember Norbert being, like, a really, like, one of the highlights for me as a kid of reading this book. Like, it's just, like, so badass. You need to drag it in your first year. Like, that's very cool. But definitely rereading it now, I'm like, this chapter is totally just a tool to get carry into the Forbidden Forest in the next chapter so he can see whomstever drinking unicorn <laughs> blood. There's a lot of other ways that they could have gotten Harry into the woods. Honestly, as a throwaway chapter, I prefer this to the double dip throwaway that has been the Quidditch chapters. I thought we might come to this. I thought <laughs> we might chat about this a little bit. It's definitely at least like unique and like entertaining. Yeah. This whole chapter is just like Hagrid having a problem that he like really allows these 11 year olds to take off his shoulders for absolutely no reason. Hagrid has one really drunk night and makes a big mistake and these 11 year olds really have to pay for it. You know, yeah. re-reading, rereading this chapter, I, I hate saying this. It made me as an adult not like Hagrid. Yeah, definitely yeah. here. Definitely not Hagrid's best chapter, for sure. Like, beyond being completely irresponsible, he is actively pulling three 11-year-olds into a high-level 
animal smuggling outfit. That's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. Listen, he has always wanted a dragon. So one of the first things he ever said to Harry. One of the first things. It's like a kid being like, well, I always wanted a lizard. And so they just start like hoarding them in their room until their parents start finding them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, something I didn't like about reading this chapter is like, I also, as an adult for the first time was like, Hagrid's kind of simple. Yeah. Yeah. He's not um, making certain intellectual choices that I would expect of an adult, especially one who works at a school. Yeah. Well, we'll get into it in more detail, but that definitely is was my overarching impression of the chapter is it's just a tool and <laughs> I ruined everything. I, as a, like big plug for like not just a tool i think the lack of regard for people's lives in preference to an animal and complete disregard for school rules sets up well the ultimate issues that occurred getting Hagrid expelled in the first Mm. Mm. that's a pretty good point because when the trio learns about aragog they're like "Eh, frankly that doesn't surprise me because he got us in trouble for smuggling his dragon out of the school yeah, it just sucks that obviously Hagrid hasn't learned so much from uh, from that incident. At least he is good with the animals, because I keep in my brain being like Lenny from Of Mice and Men, because that's the first simple character I ever encountered in my reading career, and like at least animals are like good with Hagrid. Honestly, I agree, but I'm all, and I don't want to skip ahead, but I do just want to mention that my little boy Fang is really suffering with oh, the yeah. dragon in this hut. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, let's get there. Cause you're completely right. Okay. So this chapter starts with the, the end of last chapter is when Harry followed professor Snape into the woods and saw him confront professor Quirrell or so he thinks about his status of getting access to the sorcerer's stone. So the last line of the chapter is it'll be gone by next Tuesday said Ron. And so this chapter starts with, they're surprised that it is not gone by next Tuesday. In fact, it's not gone for several weeks. And so it leaves the trio with like a newfound respect for Coral, or so they think, for not cowing to Snape so quickly. So they start being really nice to him and defending him, which, you know, like, you guys should have been being nice in the first place. I don't think you realize, though, he has a stutter, which makes him weird and therefore you get teased. That's the way life works. That's how you toughen up. That's how you become an adult. <laughs> I almost said poor Professor Crawl. Like I didn't remember how this book ends. Yeah, so <laughs> whenever Harry passed Quirrell these days, he gave him an encouraging sort of smile. And Ron had started telling people off for laughing at Quirrell's stutter. Bare minimum <laughs> kind human interactions. This is the first time we we start seeing that maybe Voldemort being a parasite on Quirrell is starting to impact him. He's becoming frail, losing some color. He's not looking good. So I, yeah, not looking good. So I mean, you know, I guess at this point, how long has Voldemort been like attached to him? So if I I can't have this debate again. 
<laughs> well, okay. So like absolute maximum amount of time is it's, they're talking about the first nice day of the season, right? So it's maybe March or April. It's like Easter, right? Oh yes. You're completely right. Well, this chapter covers several weeks. So it, it, let's mm-hmm. say March, April, because that's also when Easter is. Hermione's making like legit color-coded study schedules for exams, which are 10 weeks away still. Yes. So, so we know exactly when it is because term ends at the beginning of June or whatever. So it's safe to say that Quirrell could have been affected, been being par- wait, parasited off of. It, it could be that Voldemort has been a parasite on Quirrell for up to like maybe nine months maximum. It's a lot. It's a long time. So someone just slowly sucking the life force out of you. It's like a baby. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Don't you talk about babies to me. (laughs) So they're studying in the library and they Wait, I have an interjection. You go ahead. So Grace, tell me if you noticed this. Grace and I are both reading the British versions. They don't call it studying. They call it revising. Oh no. Oh yeah. Um, it is literally so weird. Okay, she had started drawing up revision timetables. And I was like, that's weird. I don't remember that. Maybe it's like, rev- like you know, like you got to see on this essay, like make these changes and then you can get a better grade because we go to cushy American schools. But but it like goes on. And it, what are you revising for? And I'm like, that's definitely where the word study goes. Yeah. I've never heard that in my life. I've, usually the British terms I encounter in this book I've heard before, but. Revising really tripped me up. The weirdest thing about that is that I like, I feel like I've been around enough English people that have literally never used that. I I will say though, it could be just because I know they say like study as in like, uh, like a, like a topic, like they will frequently be like, Oh, like, what are you studying? And this, they'll be like, like it, where we would say I'm majoring in mathematics. Yeah. Like I'm studying mathematics. I mean, they do use the word study. So it's like, they have that word. It's just, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like (laughs) it. Thank you. It just makes me feel like we're like redoing something. Yeah. Just like etymologically, I'm confused. It's because of the prefix re, which means exactly that. (laughs) Thank you. Which I guess, like, hypothetically, I don't know. I've never been a, a studier. I've always been, like, a learn it the first time and, like, tuck that away. Take wow, person. nobody likes the bragger, Brooke. <laughs> the whole concept of studying, hypothetically, is to relearn things that you've already learned. So I get it. But also, I don't like it. Yeah, I definitely was, like, and I think that this... I think that this equation worked for me throughout my life is the amount of better grade that I will get for studying is not worth the amount of time that I will get studying. Like I'm fine with a, with like a B or a C plus. Oh no. I just D's get degrees. Incorrect. Nat A minuses just all day. (laughs) Well, maybe I should have studied. I definitely studied a lot, but it was because I had to, I couldn't tuck that information away. Like you wrote I wrote a lot of papers. Like, it took me ages to write a paper until I got to, like, my senior year of college, in which case I would do, like, a 10-page paper in, like, two days. And it would be garbage, but I knew all my professors at that point. I think it depends on, like, what subject. So, like, for me, like, with math, if I didn't learn it the first time when you explained it to me, I'm not getting it. There's no amount of me explaining it to myself that's going to help that. But something like history, when there's a lot of details, 
I would study a little bit, but by studying, I would literally just go through and like copy the chapter I'd read. Yeah. We're getting really boring now. This is a, such a Ravenclaw conversation. <laughs> Can you study guys habit. <laughs> Let How do you go. Study. <laughs> so they, so they, they run into Hagrid in the library, pop around the library, and like. All of a sudden, he's like, oh, you need to be quiet about that whole Nicholas Flamel thing. I'm like, Holmes, you walked into Gringotts being like, official Hogwarts business, woo, 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 woo. Like, and now that three 11-year-olds know the name Nicholas Flamel, you're worried. He's the one who brings up the name. Like, he brings it up, and then he's like, oh, no, don't talk about that. It's like, Hagrid, you brought this up. He's simple. <laughs> He big dumb. He big dumb. Big dumb. <laughs> I, he's got a heart of gold. Oh my god, he's Lenny from Up My Limit. Oh, heart no. of gold. Can't do anything right. Yeah, he's in the library, which in and of itself is pretty suspicious, if you ask me. What are you doing here? You're not yeah. studying for anything. Um, suspicious. And he's fuck. holding something behind his back. Like you don't get more suspicious. <laughs> the funny thing is, I'm pretty sure it's a book. He's just like, I'm not it reading is a book. <laughs> Uh, well, and, which I mean, like if you want to look natural in the library you really like own that book well and he's not even actually trying to keep whatever he's doing from them a secret he's just being big dumb because he immediately goes like shh I'll tell you later just come around to my house like I don't god I just don't it's not okay These are it's so an good. inappropriate faculty student relationship frankly deeply could you imagine if there was a middle school teacher in your school that was like, oh, I'm doing secret rule-breaking things. Come to my classroom after classes let out and come have cookies and I'll tell you all of my secrets. Like, that's not okay. <laughs> okay, that sounds so sinister when you put it like that. It is sinister. He introduces them to a dangerous animal. <laughs> so you're totally right I think Grace you're the one who said this that he's like are you looking for Nicholas Flamel <laughs> and then he's like shut up about this shit <laughs> guys <Yes>. well cause <laughs> Ron's like bragging Ron's like oh we know who Nicholas Flamel is we barely even had to look for it like we got that right away your puzzle is not difficult when in reality they're painstakingly searching for like weeks and weeks and weeks also, speaking of not difficult puzzles, he's like trying to keep his self secret from them and then leaves. And the section that he's looking at, the entire section of books is just dragon books. What, what's your cover story, Hagrid? <laughs> I'm the kind of person who, if I'm doing something sketchy, I like know what my lie is before I go, you know? So I can, like, I'm like, okay, this is, even, even if it's That's not sketchy, really even if responsible just, of you. Thank you. Even if I'm just being, like, a little bit weird, I'm like, well, if somebody asks me what I'm doing, what am I going to say? Well, and as previously mentioned, like, you're in a library, it's okay to just be like, oh, what are you doing? You're like, oh, I had a passing interest in dragons. I've always wanted one. I figured I would check out some books and read up. It's not good yeah. on his feet. <laughs> not good. That's it. That's all you had to do? Not good on his feet. So what follows is Ron spouting an uncharacteristically impressive amount of information about dragon legislature. Which is honestly my favorite, my favorite in-universe fact is that there is an entire recon team of like native dragon men in black style memory erasing wizards. They men in black style up. is a great way to describe it. 
they literally yeah. like show up to where dragons have been, obliviate the hell out of everybody, and then like leave. Like th- their whole job is to make sure they follow dragons around and just erase people's memories. Yo, I would watch that reality TV show. Holy shit, that'd be so good. Oh yeah. We should do like a fantasy podcast called like the Dragon Watchers. <laughs> oh god, I would love that. I'm imagining someone with like, you know, just being like, over there is a Norwegian ridgeback. It's not native, so we're not sure how it got introduced. What we are sure is we're going to capture it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, this is the thing. Now tune in uh later <laughs> well, eventually later this year. <laughs> I just glanced over and I saw Ron spouting a lot of knowledge and I'm like, what are you doing? I guess because of Charlie, maybe he like really looks up to Charlie in a way that isn't really explicitly stated in these books. We all have siblings. Did you guys ever learn something from your siblings by like osmosis just because they had an interest that was deeply different to yours? Grace? Yes. Isn't that how you got into Harry Potter? I can tell you what it is. Uh, Actually, yeah, I guess that's true. My brother was into it before I was. That never really happened to me because my brothers were both a lot younger and um, especially when we were kids, a lot of our interests didn't overlap. The only real thing was that we didn't get video games in our house until my brother's old enough to get video games. And then I was like, this is cool. But (laughs) I'm sure that there's some, I mean, I definitely know a lot more about like DJing and computers now that I've been living with Sean for like five years. I know a lot about the rules of volleyball despite never having played volleyball because my sister played volleyball. Oh, okay. You I know, got so Well, I guess that makes sense because I've been to one million baseball games. Right. You could probably yeah. explain to someone a lot about baseball, even yeah. though you, you've never played it. And it's not even really a thing that you're like, oh, hype about baseball. Yeah, you're completely yeah. right. I, I, like, I could probably tell you some, like, guitar chords because my sister played guitar. Like, I could tell you what a D chord looks like for sure. But right. then there's also the element of Charlie being presumably, like, eight or nine years older than Ron. Yeah. But they do have a small house and a very intimate family. Yeah. And his parents, like, they like repeating fun facts. That's true. <laughs> oh, they're so mom and dad, Mr. and Mrs. Yeah. Weasley. So they go down to Hagrid's hut against all logic <laughs> and common sense. He offers them stoked sandwiches, which I cannot imagine Okay, a stoat is similar to a ferret. They're like a ground burrowing creature. That's not what um, I thought you were going to say. No, they're gross. They've got I like I thought you were going to say fish or something. It got worse somehow. <laughs> it's awful. That sounds disgusting. I hate that. I hate knowing <laughs> that. <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. Oh my God. They don't oh eat them. Oh my God. They don't eat them. <laughs> Oh, and like it's a wow. it's particularly I think it's a little bit funny and like someone's gonna have to fact check me on this and it's not gonna be now um but like I'm pretty sure that stoats are like semi-infamous for like eating eggs like and I only say that because in New Zealand they're super invasive and they eat kiwi eggs like out of the nests and it's like a problem <laughs> well, they must eat eggs because when I googled stoat that one of the first searches that came up is stoat versus weasel yeah, so if you think about it like that, it's actually, like, low-key really funny because he's, like, babysitting an egg, so he's killing all the stoats. They're cute. Mm-hmm. They're like little prairie dogs. I would never eat that. Okay, we need to get off the stoat thing. Oh, my God, all I'm right. affected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, if they eat eggs and they were, like, coming for his 
dragon egg. Like maybe Hagrid's just like killing stoats left and right to like can his you, like defense. Can you imagine what a feast that would be for a stoat to find a dragon egg? A dragon egg? Yeah. <laughs> My family will eat for 20 years. Either that or it'd be like your first time ordering the hottest level at an Indian restaurant. You'd be like, oh no, this is a bad choice. <laughs> is dragon meat spicy? I don't know. I just have to assume that a dragon egg would be a spicy adventure. So spicy. <laughs> um, so at Hagrid's house, Hagrid is like, you wanted to ask me something. And Harry's like, yeah, that's why I came here. But like, as we kind of just mentioned, I would definitely be like, no, you're doing something really sketchy. And you told me to come find out what it was. But Harry is, as always, laser focused on proving that Snape has done something terrible. Well, okay. I mean, okay. I Increasing the, like, really inappropriate student relationship. Hermione goes into, like, a really weird flattery mode to try to get information out of Hagrid that made me super uncomfortable. I think that from our just so sexually woke late 20s lady perspective, it comes across a little sexually. But I think she's really just using one of her best skills, which is ass kissery. Mm-hmm. I-, I like that interpretation better. It's just Thank ass kissery. I feel good about that. Hermione has the awareness about, you know, how much Hagrid loves Dumbledore and how much Dumbledore can really persuade him in this moment. And she uses that. I think that that's really smart of her. And Hermione's just really she's just doing her thing man and i'm i'm like i'm like pretty proud of her in this moment she's starting to learn how to use her skills for good instead of evil basically (laughs) she says we wondered who dumbledore had trusted enough to help him apart from you Uh, don't say it in that voice yeah see i can only do it flirty i can't just be regular ass kissing well and he starts like naming the professors and there's this like beautiful i guess foreshadowing joke or like in on it joke rereading it where he says like, okay, so it's Professor Sprout, Professor Flitwick, Professor McGonagall, Professor Quirrell. Oh, yeah, Professor Snape. And he's like, Snape? And then he's like, oh, you're not still on about that, are you? Look, Snape helped protect the stone. He's not about to steal it, even though that's definitely what Quirrell is doing. Oh, yeah, trying to throw us off the trail. Like, it, he just named Quirrell as well. And it's like, well, if they protect it, how would they steal it? And it's like, well, maybe that's why they enlisted, like, seven people to protect it. It's so that, like, no one quite knows how to get all the way through, necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they're talking, they go on to talk about Fluffy, the three-headed dog. And Harry asks anxiously, you're the only one who knows how to get past Fluffy, aren't you, Hagrid? And I just, I think my question is, like, why is there a way to get past the dog? You know? Like, I, why not just get something that has no weaknesses, including music? I just don't think that there is a living animal with no weaknesses. What about a dragon? Even then, I feel like there's got to be something. Like, Charlie's whole business is dragon taming. Surely there's something mm-hmm. that dragon... Like, you could, like, toss meat at it. Like, all animals love food. Like, at minimum, there's going to be a way to, like, throw a steak and slip in there. I think I just really feel that this, it, the whole music thing is just, like, so video gamey in a way that, like, the rest of this book series doesn't really feel that way. It's, like, what's, like, the one thing? Like, do the right thing. Like, is this the right tune to play to put the three-headed dog to sleep? 
I guess I just feel like it's too easy. <laughs> That's why they have all those other enchantments, because first level, too easy. You're right, it is the first level. Maybe they literally just did that so that Hagrid could feel included. Oh. <laughs> They're like, wait, we need something really spooky and dramatic, like, over the entrance? Like, what do we got? And Hagrid's like, oh, well, I did just buy this three-headed dog at the pub the other day when I was shit-faced. You have any good oh. use for that? Also, though, if students were to wander into the third corridor or, like, try to go poking, a large three-headed dog would immediately scare them away, mm-hmm. whereas some of the other stuff might look a little bit enticing as, like, a puzzle to solve. So I could see it being just a choice for the students more than, like, an adult wizard of being, like, this looks immediately terrifying and kids will run from it. Like, I'm going nowhere near this. That's a good point. Like, a keep out sign, but one that actually works. Yeah. Yeah. They go into this entire, like, multi-week-long period of just, like, not being normal kids because they had this weight laid on their shoulders. Yeah. I know. So, so, after they get finished talking about Fluffy, <laughs> well, what's that over there? It's a dragon egg in the fireplace, which is very badass. Just, like, all, all logistics aside, I think it's super badass that you have to hatch a dragon egg in an actual fire. Very Game of Thrones. Mm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that where Game of Thrones got it from? Which came first, the Game of Thrones or the Harry Potter dragon I catch? Um, Game of Thrones. Because it's at the end of the first book, right? I don't remember. Pretty sure it's at the end of the first book, and I'm pretty sure those came out in, like, the late 80s or early 90s, and this book came out in 1998. Did J.K. Rowling just, like, snatch her dragon hatching from Game of Thrones? It could be that they're stealing from each other, but it could also be just that it, it's badass and kind of makes sense. Yeah. I would, I would like to know uh, the title of the book from the library is Dragon Breeding for Pleasure and Profit. It sounds like... I don't know. It sounds like like a puppy mill you know what i mean like it's like oh you have these like dragons you can play with or you can sell them for a lot of money both are creepy and that should be happening yeah that kind of makes sense pleasure and profit also like those two words together it's just like porn i don't know yeah very horny dragon dragon so porny no dragon porn let's google it (laughs) <laughs> no, because there's the whole, um, there's the dragon dildo company. <laughs> Sorry. There's a whole company that makes like mythical dildos and it's called Bad Dragon. And so one of, you can buy like giant dragon dildos, but you can also buy like, like weird, like tentacle things and like, like crazy, just like fantasy dildos of like, if a merman had a dick, what would it look like? I'm writing this down. Wow. For research. Research. <laughs> They're also, like, really high quality. They're not, like, a gimmick. They're good dildos. Good. I mean, I would expect nothing but the highest quality. Bad dragon dildos. Okay, great. I just like to take notes of things we talk about, so maybe I can post about them later on our social media. So in Dragon Breeding for Pleasure and Profit, we learn the old egg in the fire method. Um... But also, you feed it a bucket of brandy mixed with chicken blood, which I understand the chicken blood. I don't understand the brandy. Maybe because it's warm? Drinking brandy mm. makes you, like, really warm and snuggly inside. 
Okay. I don't know. That's like my, the that's the best I got. I mean, I don't really understand the chicken blood. Like, why has it got to be chicken? As opposed oh. to just like any blood, so that it's like yeah, like protein. Yeah. Wait, do you remember when I told you? Okay, remember like a couple months ago before we were all in self quarantine, we were working at an actual office together, Grace, and I was reading a book about the culinary history of Richmond, and we learned that the Valentine Museum, which was opened by the Valentine family, um, they made their fortune by inventing meat juice. Yes, meat which juice. is. Is like this. I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like, and I feel like this is the same kind of vibe. You want something that's like easy to ingest and carries a lot of protein in it. If a mama dragon in the wild is taking care of her baby, she's not feeding it brandy, maybe chicken blood, but I honestly, think blood. But how does that? How do like? Would she like break a chicken's neck open and like let baby drink? But also maybe. There's like mama's milk, like dragon mama's milk. Are dra- is brandy dragon milk? Wait, there's a lot of things about what you just said. <laughs> First of all, a dragon's a reptile, and they're born from an egg, so I don't think there's a milk factor. I think that they would take more of the like mom feeds the baby strategy. So I think that a mom would have like, let's say, for example, like a cow carcass. Forget that there's milk in a cow. That's not relevant. And it, the mom would like eat the cow carcass and then give the baby the tender bits, like the fat and like let it, yeah, drink the blood. We're getting real gnarly here. I'm into it. Maybe like a cow though, they have like a fermenting stomach where like, cause they're like animals. Like when they eat something, they eat like grain and it can naturally ferment in their stomach, which produces alcohol, which is where the brandy comes from. So mamas <gasps> eat the cow and then they let it ferment and then they spit it back up and it's blood and alcohol. Oh my God. Wow. We need to write a book called The Science of Harry Potter. <laughs> Wait, that's already a thing. <laughs> that's not us. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the kids go back to the school with the burden of this knowledge. Um, also, before they leave, Hermione gets like a practical zinger in with a, Hagrid, you live in a wooden house. Like he lives in the most flammable house. <laughs> and like, I think the movies are even worse than the books in terms of how flammable his house is. Yeah. And so. Okay, so to underline the fact that they have just had this like burden laid upon them, literally the next sentence is, so now they had something else to worry about. These poor children. I know. And then I love what Ron says. He says, wonder what it's like to have a peaceful life. And I'm like, oh, honey, it's going to get They're so a- much worse than this. <laughs> They're 11. I'm pretty sure Ron's entire childhood was pretty idyllic. So maybe yeah. you should chill. Ron. Well, except that large families, I feel like there's a lot of just natural, like, struggling for resources and teasing. But don't forget, last year, Ron was the old, it was just him and Ginny at home. True. That's true. All I'm saying is, it's not like he has never known peace. (laughs) (laughs) Much like Harry has never known peace. So they get a letter from Hagrid at breakfast, right? Um... He had written only two words. It's hatching. Which, like, he... Again, with, like, the come down to my hut and I'm going to show you something cool and illegal. It's like, I don't know, like, offering some kids pot. It's like, obviously, this is, like, not appropriate for them. And you need to be doing what you can. Even if you're doing this, like, you really need to protect them from this. This is not their wheelhouse. Yes. Yes. Do you think Hagrid's much pot? 
I don't know that his pooh sounds bad. I don't know that his brain functions enough for him to get enough relief from pot. I get that. Like I don't That's know valid. that he has. I don't know that he has like genuine anxiety nerves. I feel like, like yeah. I feel like he doesn't. He doesn't need it. Like not that anyone. Whatever. But like. It's just, you know, he just goes down to the pub, gets to his face, that's good enough for him. Yeah, yeah he's very sense. alcoholic. He's very yeah. alcoholic. He's blackout drunk poker. I came home with a dragon egg alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> to go back to my first note about Hagrid and the Diagon Alley chapter, drunk, sad magic man? Question yeah, he, he really is a drunk, sad ma- magic man, but like only kind of magic. <laughs> So Hagrid's straight up here just contributing to the delinquency of minors and Hermione like Hermione says we'll get into trouble and that's nothing to what Hagrid's going to be in when someone finds out what he's doing. Like directly contributing to the delinquency of minors. He's not supposed to have this egg. He's not supposed to have this dragon. He's shared it with them like it's some cool secret. It's deeply illegal. He's asking them to essentially skip class to go participate in illegal activities with him. Like, that's, it's really bad. Guys, it's bad. Howard's the kind of person who gets so excited. I think he literally just, like, forgot that there's class. He's, like, come down. He forgets he is gamekeeper. Yeah. He completely neglects his responsibilities. Yeah, that's true. Which, like, how much oversight does Hagrid get? Who's out there, like, checking to make sure he's, like, mowing the lawn? Does Hagrid have to mow that lawn? Wait. <laughs> Wait a second. Do, they, do like, they have a riding mower? <laughs> no, surely they go eco with a roving goat herd. So he's also, so that's like almost worse than having to mow the lawn because then he's responsible for shepherding. There is a company in Richmond that owns a goat herd and you can rent the goats to come and like naturally mow your lawn. And then they like, so they rotate their goats all over the city, naturally mowing people's lawns with goats. What? That's amazing. Yep. Wow. That should be your plug for the week. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So in the end, they go to herbology cause that's what they are at this school to do to go to class. And then afterwards they go down to Hagrid's hut and it's nearly out by the time they get there and he ushers them inside and oh my god I literally just watched Jurassic Park like three days ago and it's almost the exact same thing you know and like the creepy old guy is hatching that velociraptor and he's like oh come on and his teeth are all fucked up and he's like come on little velociraptor like I always like to be here when they hatch like oh bless him he knows his mommy he knows his mommy (laughs) and well he comes out he says isn't he beautiful and, like, he, I don't know, he just, like, immediately out the shell starts fucking shit up. He's, he like, shooting, shooting sparks. He immediately snaps at Hagrid's fingers. It's deeply dangerous. It's so dangerous. Like, what if the house did catch fire? He would, like, save the dragon and leave the kids. And Fang. Let's get to Fang. He's later. Uh, first yeah. we get the fact that Malfoy's watching them because he overheard everything. Because uh, Malfoy's just such a little bitch. Because when they're talking about Hagrid getting in trouble, Harry w- says, shut up. And it says Malfoy was only a few feet away, and he stopped dead to listen yeah. how much it he heard. God. So he's literally just trying to dig up dirt on them because he's a little bitch. He needs Malfoy a good ass whooping. To... Yeah, he needs to get a life. Honestly. Yeah, get a life. Why are you so obsessed with me? I kind of get <laughs> why there's so many Draco Harry fanfics out there. Because Draco really... 
In the words of Mariah Carey, why are you so obsessed with me? Is that Mariah Carey? That's Mean Girls. No, I think it's Mariah think Carey. It's There's like a whole Mariah song. Carey. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Why are you so obsessed with me? Yeah. Okay. That sounds like Mariah, right? When I say I think it's, I think, I think she wrote that about Eminem. <gasps> okay, Eminem? we're going to do some Googling. Distress. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, so Malfoy sees them and goes running back to the castle. And for me personally, I would consider that the start of a countdown. I have T-minus like 20 minutes to go to this dragon. But they're like, well, hope nothing happens. Well, and so it literally says they spent most of their free time in Hagrid's darkened hut trying to reason with him. And, like, that's just not their responsibility. The fact that they haven't just told another teacher about this is... I think it just proves how psychologically unfair it is that Hagrid did this to them. Yeah. And I've got Malfoy hovering over their heads, which ultimately Malfoy's, like, trump card here should not be that they get in trouble. It's that Hagrid should get in trouble. And they're taking the responsibility for that, too. Which, like, you know, we all love Hagrid, but, like, he should get in trouble. (laughs) Um, yeah. I also love the double dumb down of Harry being like, just let him go. Like, set him free. And it's like, he's a he's a dragon. And like, Hagrid's only complaint with this is like, oh, is he too little? He'd die. And I'm like, no one's worried about just like, it's like when people get tired of their goldfish and release them into like, ecologically unstable waters. Like, why are you doing this? Like, this is not a good idea. Yeah, are like the pythons in Florida. It's like, we're not really worried about the python. We're worried about literally everything else. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in Florida and you have a python, you better keep that python for the rest of its life. If you're in Florida and you have a python, oh, that's a picture. There, there are better ways to spend your money. There are better ways to spend your time. I'm not trying to get added by snake enthusiasts, but like, why are you doing this? I had an uncle who got raided by the FBI uh, for her- keeping illegal snakes. That's <laughs> oh. kind of cool. There was, <laughs> unsurprisingly, a lot of cocaine mixed into that scenario. <laughs> Why do cocaine and snakes go together so good? They just do. It's it's equal. I don't know. They just do. Equal, like, hubris and, like, blatant, like, luxury. <laughs> yes. Why is, like, a snake draped over someone's shoulder a symbol of opulence. I don't know. Wait, I, like, let, I, let's add Britney Spears about this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not even just Britney. Like, if you think of, like, a woman draped in a snake, you're like, ooh, I like that. I but think why? if you're talking about women specifically, wow, we're getting really out of hand here, but I think if we're talking about women specifically, it's, like, some kind of, a, like, an Eve redemption situation. She's like, I'm in charge of the snake now. Ooh, ooh I yeah. like that and want to leave it right there. That's a great place to end this episode. It. Just kidding. <laughs> We have quite a bit left to do. Let's get to work. So Hagrid knows nothing about this scenario because he names a female dragon Norbert because he thinks that it's a boy because he doesn't actually fucking know what he's doing. Um, he got the wrong books. Like, I read one book about cats and I can identify a cat before the male's balls drop. Yeah, well, his book is not, <laughs> not good enough. And I think they figure out later that she is, in fact, a female dragon because she's so vicious. And she's pretty vicious right out the egg. So. Oh, that's true. Well, honestly, if, okay, if dragon genitalia is hard to find, 
and maybe yeah. it's like internal or something and it's like the only way you can tell what sex this dragon is is based on how ferocious it is Hagrid is like this dragon isn't even ferocious at all right so it must be a yeah. man dragon but it's like <laughs> your bar is really fucked up dude this dragon is out of control and she's also a lady and you can tell because she's yeah. such a bitch <laughs> I really enjoy every time this happens, but we get like a who's on first level gag where Harry suddenly turns to Ron and goes, Charlie, you're losing it too, said Ron. I'm Ron, remember? I love it. <laughs> These kind of jokes when I was a kid that made me feel like this book is hilarious. Yeah, me too. So, but Harry does have an actually pretty good idea of how to get them out of here. The only idea. Yeah, <laughs> the only idea. Because you really can't option. set him free. Like, frankly, Harry, Ron, and Hermione don't even actually know where they are geographically on a map, I don't think, because they just got on a train and ended up here. You can't just set dragons free. So so they decide to send it out to Charlie. And so then they go into this montage of the, the following week dragging by. They sent Charlie a letter, and they take turns putting on the invisibility cloak and sneaking out to Hagrid's hut to help feed Norbert. And, like... Brooke, I don't, I don't know about you, Grace. I know you've lived in the country. I've lived in the country. And, like, it's dark out there. And, like, I'm not walking across my front yard alone at night. I totally agree. And, but I think that it's mostly, isn't it, isn't it Ron who goes? Because somehow he has this knowledge of dragons because of Charlie. Is that the case, that it's, like, just him going? I thought it was just him. And then, you know, and then he gets bit. And then, and then he lot, gets but. bit. That's, like... That's like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, and it feels like he can't tell anyone because he got bit by a dragon. And Hagrid well, definitely doesn't have his back. And it no. comes back just wrapped in a bloody handkerchief. Oh, so bad. <laughs> and Hagrid so got bad. mad at him. And Hagrid <laughs> got mad at him because he scared Norbert. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so, bad. It's really bad. So they're all standing there in the common room. It's late as fuck. Everyone else already went to bed, and Hedwig comes to the window, which is funny because why does she come to the window instead of waiting for, like, the breakfast mail tomorrow? Mm. Maybe there's Maybe a way to, like... it was urgent. Yeah. Mark this message as urgent. <laughs> yep. High priority. High priority. All capitals. I mean, the owls on this book are pretty, like, sentient, I'd say. Like, when you, like, give them something, I feel like you have the ability to be like, hey, this is super important. Can you get it there tonight? And the owls kind of like, and then they go. More than That's sentient, it. owls in this world have, like, some crazy sixth sense because... I think when Harry's corresponding with like Sirius Black, it's, it's, it gets said explicitly, like just like send the owl, like they'll know where to find me. Yeah. And it's like, he's on like in hiding. So, mm -hmm. so Hedwig just knows. And she's also the smartest owl ever and the best companion ever. We love her so much. So she knocks on the window. There's a response from Charlie. <laughs> I don't know, man. There's just so many adults failing these children. I like to think I'm a cool sister, but I still would be like, absolutely not dude like i'm not helping you take part in this you need to if you don't feel comfortable tattling on haggard you need to stop right now like he's not your friend he's endangering you he's the adult all the things that we're all thinking right now nope instead we're gonna double down and do a midnight run under an invisibility cloak with a baby dragon to try to get it up to the tallest tower so that his friends can illegally fly by and like pick up this Trafficked animal. I just 
can't. <laughs> I want to know more about these friends because frankly, I feel guilty when my friends are coming over being like, can you stop at the grocery store and get me a soda? Like, can you please jerry rig a harness for an illegal dragon that breathes fire and bring it to me in Romania, which is not close to Scotland? Are they doing that trip in one day? <laughs> How fast do brooms fly? We're not getting into it. <laughs> with a dragon. Okay. The yeah, physics of Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my god, and then all fucking hell breaks loose. Okay, so Ron's <laughs> hand gets so fucked up. Real nightmare. <laughs> He's probably like, is this hand going to fall off? He, he <laughs> has to go to the hospital wing because he uh, is obviously not going to get better on his own. It's definitely poisoned. He has to lie to Madame Pomfrey about what's up. And what's worse, Malfoy comes to tease him under the pretense of needing to borrow one of his books. And he borrows the book that has the letter from Charlie with the time and place of where they're going to meet up. Classic. Really just so many balls dropped. And I can't even blame Ron <laughs> because he only has one hand to catch all these balls with. <laughs> And then we get, Grace, do you want to finally comment on? Poor little baby. Okay, it's I a little baby Fang. I just feel like Fang is just so deep in my heart, and I just can't imagine this poor dog in this tiny hut with this massive, at this point, dragon, because it's growing like a weed. And I'm just like, someone please help Fang, please. Seriously, Fang is a very good boy. His tail is bandaged. Yeah. He's been kicked out of the hut. Maybe it didn't get bit because it's not getting infected the same way Ron's hand is. Or maybe it's a maybe poison that only like works on humans. Stepped on. Stepped on. Well, stepped on. Maybe yeah. a little bit caught on fire. Maybe fire. Just a little uh, bit. <laughs> poor thing. So Hagrid's neglecting his firstborn for his new child. Hagrid, where are your loyalties, man? That's my question. Hagrid really just doesn't, like... Uh, he just really loses control of his faculties in times like this. Like, he really is not using his noggin at all. He's endangering yeah. these kids, and he's endangering his beloved dog, and he's neglecting his job. He's basically giving up everything, including probably drinking, because the dragon needs all the fucking brandy everything that's dear to him to take care of this fucking <laughs> dragon. I wonder if, like, do you think that, like, at a point, he's just, like, I'm in over my head, I have to, like, commit? Or do you think he's just, like, completely rose-colored glasses the whole time? I feel like he has to know that this the long haul, this is not going to work. Like, he's not going to be able to keep this dragon. I, I can't understand how he ever thought that he could. I don't know, though, because he still has Aragog in the Forbidden Forest. I know, but a dragon can't stay in the Forbidden Forest. But maybe he thinks it can. I mean, he also brings his giant brother into the Forbidden Forest. Yeah, all those things can't watch. I don't know. For some reason, the flying thing, I'm just like, I can't. The Forbidden Forest just acts as Hagrid's bag of holding. He just keeps stuffing yeah. things in there. It's his, it's his room of requirement. He's like, well, is it that after they're after they're like um, done with Fluffy? I guess it doesn't Fluffy hang out in the Forbidden Forest for like a little bit. I don't remember. 
Is the only reason the Forbidden Forest is forbidden because Hagrid keeps stuffing shit in there? It wasn't no. forbidden until Aragog when he got expelled and now he keeps making it more forbidden. And that's why if you're going to do a detention in the Forbidden Forest, Dumbledore's like, fine, but Hagrid, you have to supervise this detention because you're the reason this forest is fucking <laughs> forbidden. <laughs> wow. I like that. I like that theory. So poor little Fangy's hurt and it's just it's so bad the, this situation is really out of control ron's hurt fangs hurt everybody's really trying to help hagrid hagrid's really the only one who's not really trying to help the situation so they would have felt sorry for hagrid when the time came for him to say goodbye to norbert if they hadn't been so worried about what they had to do just really as we've said a lot of times before it's just like a completely uncalled for burden for these 11 year olds to have to bear with finals bearing toward them like come on so ron is still in the hospital wing so it's hermione and harry and i don't know do you guys think that ron would have been the one to go rather than hermione if he hadn't been injured because they do specifically say that the invisibility cloak will only cover two of them when they have norbert maybe i think maybe but i'm kind of glad because i like this first little bit of the harry hermione dynamic that we get here yeah, I do too. They're good together, kind of. Like, in a very... I mean, I... Not to get into this, but, like, I've always felt like, in terms of, like, friendship, platonically, they're very good together. They are, they're a great team. Harry and yeah. Hermione balance each other out as friends in, like, the healthiest way, whereas Ron only... Like, he's just Harry's perpetual hype man, which, like, I, you gotta love him for it, but also, like, he hypes up even his worst ideas. And Hermione is, like, a cool voice of reason that's not there to, like, put out his fire. She's just there to, like, contain it so that it's bright enough. Aw. Yeah. That's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, definitely, like, Harry and Ron always get along, and Ron and Hermione always get along. But, like, really, Hermione and Ron almost never get along. <laughs> Harry is really the glue holding this group together. Oh, my God, there's so many juicy Ron and Hermione fights to come in the rest of this series. I'm so excited to read all of them. Some of them are so good. Some of them go on for, like, the whole book. These two super weak 11-year-olds struggle a dragon in a crate up all of these marble staircases. Yeah, do we have any concept of how big Norbert is right now? Big enough that he can rattle the windows in the shack and that Fang is sleeping outside. Oh, my gosh. You mentioning the rattling windows, is this? That's I think that's my favorite one-liner in this chapter is Hagrid is, like, He's just playing. He's only a baby after all. And then the narrator is like, the baby banged its tail on the wall, making the windows rattle. <laughs> so snarky. I love it. So he's pretty big. I'm thinking at least the size of a, of a dog, right? Like a black know. lab. Like an adult yeah. black lab. Like the kind of dog that you snuggle, that you like spoon like a human, you know? Like, yeah, mm -hmm. black lab yeah. sounds right. Yeah, pretty heavy for two 11-year-olds to have to, like, haul up a bunch of stairs for sure. P plus a crate under an invisibility cloak. I have a hard time moving furniture in the best of scenarios. Plus a barrel of liquid being brandy and chicken blood. Liquid is very heavy. Mm -hmm. Basically, they must yeah. be super buff. Also, they know the like, Wingardium Leviosa spell. <laughs> and yeah. Hermione's good at it. She's really good at it. Maybe she's worried about, like, keeping it under control under the cloak with them under the cloak. That was the only thing I could think. I probably would put me and my friend under the cloak and then when Guardian Love you, the crate in front of me. And then if someone comes, just like put the crate down and 
leave. Because they're so psychologically scarred at this point that they really think this is their fault and their responsibility. Oh my god, I can't with this. (laughs) Trauma, trauma everywhere. So much trauma. But they get up there and, like, McGonagall is in a tartan bathrobe and a hairnet, which I love. love. We see her like that a lot. She has to get these kids in midnight trouble a lot. And then I just love how, like, she, like, kind of pops off a little bit. Usually she's pretty subdued, but here she's, like, detention, she shouted, and 20 points from Slytherin, wandering around in the middle of the night. How dare you? Definitely, like, really laying into him a lot. Like, it, it's great. For a it's, split second, it's pure bliss. It seems yeah. like almost an overreaction, given how much our heroes have been wandering around in the middle of the night. <laughs> but do you know Harry's special? Special. He's a special boy. His parents are dead. And then he gets she gets complete honesty. You don't understand, Professor. Harry Potter's coming. He's got a dragon. And she's like, what utter rubbish. How dare you tell such lies? Come on, I shall see Professor Snape about you, Malfoy. And then they get up to the... My brain keeps being like the highest room in the tallest tower like they do in Shrek. <laughs> um, it's the astronomy tower, right? The highest tower. And these four brooms appear with Charlie's friends on them. Quick question. How did they get through the many protective spells surrounding Hogwarts? Wow. Bravado and camaraderie. The way that anybody does. I have like one theory and it's not a good one. My only theory is that they were once students. So they like get a pass. Harry can walk out, I mean, not Harry, but everyone else in the school can walk out to go to Hogsmeade. Harry and Ron get through in the Fort Angela. The only thing is, is that once it's through the barrier, it's enchantments cut out, but brooms are clearly usable inside Hogwarts. So it might just be that because they're people on brooms, they surpass all of the regular enchantments. But the thing is that, like, enchantments are supposed to protect the school, and, like, why aren't bad guys flying into the school? on broomsticks. They just don't have the balls to try. <laughs> is that what this is about? Just, That's what's been protecting Hogwarts for so long. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. Yes. So really, like, getting rid of Norbert is kind of the easiest thing. We all know that feeling when we, like, get rid of something that's been burdening us for a long time. It is the most blissful feeling. Just like, bye! <laughs> Like, after you take an exam or something, that's just been, like, a total nightmare for you. Yeah. And then they completely fucking forget about the invisibility cloak, which I also kind of relate to being so excited that you just are, like, a complete idiot. You're like, nothing can kill me now because that fucking dragon didn't kill me. I could not believe that. Oh, really? Just, I just, I feel like if I owned something like the invisibility cloak, I would never, like, put it on the ground. Like, if you are with someone, if you can, like see that person maybe you're like oh yeah i'm not invisible that's a good reminder that's a great point like it's not just one person being like i'm probably invisible right now it's like wait there you are Hermione. what are you doing but they can see each other under the cloak oh under the cloak that's but i think that (laughs) i don't know man they're sneaking around the school you're like i'm not supposed to be doing this i don't know i feel like there's like a whole attitude that you get in when you're sneaking around they really failed yeah. themselves. After Haggard failed them for so many pages, they failed themselves. 
I mean, I've literally yeah. left my phone, which is arguably like one of the most important things in my life, on like a shelf in a shoe store and like remembered it 30 minutes later. And I wasn't going through like a cathartic moment. I was just like shopping. <laughs> just shoes. I'm just thinking about like every time I've ever gone to a party in the winter time and then I get really drunk and I'm like, I'm going to walk home in just my t-shirt. And then it's like, where's your jacket, girl? That's why I started writing my names in my jacket. So Filch finds them, and that's the end of the chapter. Well, well, I this I I can only do this in like the movie voice, you know. Well, 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 we are in trouble. He like says it with <laughs> such pleasure, just like ah, oh, you fucking squib. He's been trying to catch these particular whippersnappers for a while, though, and to date has not been successful. That's Which, like, that's fair because they've been up to a lot of shit. You can't really blame Filch for the way he is. These kids are really bad, and it must be the actual worst thing to be a squid. Yeah, it is really sad. That's not a good place to end this chapter. That's so sad. <laughs> How so, about yay for, yay for less child endangerment? <laughs> I don't know, because the next t- chapter is titled The Forbidden Forest. Yeah, God, it just... the. I know we've talked about this a few times, but, like, the lack of care of the adults in this novel, at every level, I would say that the Dursleys are outright abusive, but a lot of the professors at Hogwarts almost seem abusive by omission. Like, they're just not doing a good job of being the adults. Negligence. Yeah. That's the word. It's true. It's true, but, like, God, I mean, these kids really do try to go out of their way to get into some shenanigans. It seems like there's some sort of middle ground here. Do you think this is like a quality of Gryffindors? Like, are Gryffindors always just like getting up to shit because they're like trying to be brave and don't really think about it? And therefore, this just happens all the time? I, it makes sense because what do you think the Ravenclaws are doing right now? Studying. They're either up late studying or sleeping so they can pay attention in class tomorrow. Or, as a Ravenclaw, they're reading extracurricular stuff it doesn't relate at all to any of the stuff that they're supposed to be learning, but they're more interested in it than whatever the fuck just happened in <laughs> class. Just, like, spiraling. I'm pretty hard out Ravenclaw, I think, even though I am a Slytherin cusp. But, like, I focused a lot on literature and other fun things, and, like, I just couldn't be fucked. I did my math homework because I had to, but I definitely was, like, staying up late learning more literature that I didn't have to be learning. Yeah, same, I think. Yeah. We all have English degrees. What a mistake. Truly. <laughs> and that's <laughs> a great place to end this chapter. <laughs> that's a great place to end this chapter. <laughs> so before we wrap it up, I'm going to do some listener shout out. Yeah, uh-huh. owl mail. Owls. Mail. Yeah, owl mail. Yep. Yeah, we made a new friend on Twitter. His name's Alexander, and he hit us up with a lot of really good points about some of our previous episodes. One I'd really like to highlight is Alexander says, it's interesting to think about how JK used Latin as the basis for her spell names. I think she uses Latin because it's easy and old enough to believe that it would have been around for nearly as long as wizards have been around. So it makes sense. But I realized that all wizards from anywhere in the world use the same. Like Victor Crumb, when he cast the Cruciatus curse on Cedric Diggory in the maze in the fourth book says Crucio, just like everyone else. So wizards from other nations speak to each other in their own language, but the Latin-based incantations are universally used. So it seems. And then he says, would be funny to hear Crum yell Druska 
but I don't know if I want to add that line because I don't know what it means and I also don't know how to pronounce it. Maybe I'm, okay. I'm going to Google it real fast. I, I would just like throw it out there and be like, if anyone wants to correct us on Twitter or Instagram, feel free. Oh, no. I would love for someone to hit me up and correct my pronunciation. First of all, please help me and explain that to me. Thank you so much for your input, Alexander. I really love reading messages from listeners. As a reminder, we are on Twitter at RestrictedPod. We're on Instagram at RestrictedSectionPod. And you can email us your thoughts, praise, criticism, RestrictedSectionPod at gmail.com. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We read all of our reviews and we love them so much. And we might even read yours on the podcast. So are you guys ready to do some plugs? Yeah. You want to start, Brooke? Yeah, so I just finished. Um, I, I got to a point where I just needed a like comfort read. And so I just finished Nicholas Sparks' The Longest Ride, um, which is about art history and professional bull riding. And I cried for the last 150 pages straight. So it felt good in this time to just have a really solid cathartic cry. And I recommend trying it. Nice. Do you want to plug your personal accounts too? Oh yeah. You can follow me uh, on Instagram at passion for parks. You can follow me on Twitter at grumpy Brook, but I don't post to Twitter except to cross post what's on my Instagram. So save yourself a step. <laughs> this week I am going to plug a cooking vessel slash dish. Maybe you guys have already heard of it, but it's called a tagine. Originally it's from, I think, North Africa, Northern Africa. Um, but it cooks, it's like a little cooking vessel that sits on your stovetop and it's like a little slow cooker and it makes the yummiest chicken. And if you're looking for creative things slash ways to cook during this isolation, I recommend a tagine. I got mine at World Market if you're looking for it. I like that. I, I feel like that's such like a Haley plug. <laughs> I was, I was thinking, I was like, what would Haley do? <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram at your girl of the world. You can follow me on Twitter at girl of the world, but the word the doesn't have an E in it. I promise I'm going to change it one of these days. It's not that good. So what I'm going to plug this week is one of, you know, Grace and I work for a small press and one of our small presses, favorite small presses is called Quirk Books. You've probably heard of some of their titles like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. And they have a book called William Shakespeare's Star Wars, right? It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a story of Star Wars, but it's told, it's written in Shakespearean language. Quirk has so many just really quirky books like that. They're, their branding's amazing. Anything that they produce is so good. And, and just last week on May the 4th, they facilitated like a Zoom play performance of William Shakespeare's Star Wars. So it was like the whole cast of this play on Zoom doing their parts from home. A lot of them were using like homemade costumes and props. It was surprisingly so well done, incredibly well orchestrated. I had a really good time. I don't know if they're going to be doing any more performances like that, but if not, you can read any of their books because they're all they're all just like so clever and, and cool. So I'm plugging the entirety of Quirk Books, basically. We have a publisher crush on them. 
Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I describe it. And Grace, last year for Halloween, you dressed up as Elizabeth Bennett from Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which was like the most badass thing, like the the cover image of like yes. the proper Victorian lady with like half her jaw missing or whatever. It was super fun. Very badass. So I never know how to end these things anymore. Like get out, get the, get, stay the fuck in your house, get the fuck off my zoom chat. Just like guys take care of yourselves. You know, if you're having a hard day, take a bath. If you're quarantined with your significant other, just fuck. Yeah. Just fuck. (laughs) And those are our parting words. Goodbye. Bye. Bye guys. (laughs) Such a Ravenclaw episode, I liked it. The Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Technical support from Sean Watson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at restrictedsectionpod or shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise. I've got the best name fact. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Newt Scamander, right? Scamander is a Greek river god. Oh, really? Um, so he is a Greek river god that fought Achilles during the siege of Troy. And oh my god, I guess I didn't know that guy's name, because I definitely thought Scamander was an allusion to the word salamander, and same. I never thought further. <laughs> it's better than that, because Scamander translates in Greek to awkward man. Uh, <laughs> what? That's so Is that real? So, like, literally his name is, like, Newt Awkward Man. And they play into that really heavily in the Fantastic Beast movie. And I found that out this week and I wanted to share it. <laughs> That's so funny. That's, That's awesome. It's spelled exactly the same. Like, it's, like, clearly a reference to Scamander, the Greek river god. Who's an I mean, man. it can't be denied that J.K. Rowling did, like, a fuck ton of research about names, if nothing else, for this series. Names and eye colors. <laughs>